Here's what I thought. I thought it's cold and windy, and I know that many of you have a big week ahead of you tomorrow, starting tomorrow, and with the fellowship, I thought, let's just get right into the preaching, okay? And then we'll have fellowship, and you can still get home at an early hour uh, this evening, get a good night of rest, and be ready for the week ahead of you, all right? Okay, good. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to finish up this chapter. I was so excited about the fellowship tonight. I spilled green bean juice on my shirt, on my tie, on my pants. And so if you look at me at supper and you think, good night, he got excited. Yeah, I guess I did. Uh, So I just wanted to wear it and everything. So I'm aware of the the fact that I I look sloppy, and I apologize. I had to change my tie to one that doesn't match, but oh well. All right. We're going to pray and get started. Father, it is good to be in your house today. And Lord, I am thankful for our time together tonight. God, I am thankful that as a church family we can have fellowship around your word. But Lord, I'm also looking forward to the fellowship that we can have in just a little bit. And God, I pray that you'd use it to just be a help to us. We as a church family, we need the fellowship, and it's good for us. And so I pray that you'd bless the time. God, I pray that you'd bless the effort to preach your word, that you'd use it to remind us of of what we know, but I think we lose sight of sometimes. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, I think many of you will remember that we began looking in verses, or we took the time to look through verses 32 through 38 and watched as uh, the writer took the attention off of people specifically and their acts of faith and what was accomplished. He mentioned Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David, but then he went on to speak of different men and women who exercised great faith and Uh, Some of the things that were seen because of these nameless people's steps and acts of faith. And then we got to verse number 38 to where the writer made this statement of whom the world was not worthy. And all that meant was this, is that the world did not deserve to have men and women of their caliber. And that is an amazing statement if you think about it. It it truly is an amazing statement. And and I tried to, to challenge us last week that we should have a desire to want to live in such a way that it could be said of us that the world did not deserve us. That because of our faith and because of how we chose to approach our lives here on this earth, that it could be said by God that the world did not deserve us. But if that's going to be said, I just want to remind us that will not happen on accident. It will be something that we choose and that will be something that we pursue and our actions will have to Uh, manifest that spirit or that desire that we have. So that's how we uh, concluded last week's message tonight. Just going to look at these last two verses and try to get us back on track uh, in our thought process as to what Hebrews really is all about. Before we do, I want to just give you a scenario, give you a, a story, so to speak, that I think you'll be able to follow and you'll be able to understand Many of you have met my Meemaw, okay? And by Meemaw, that's my mother's mother, and she's 91 years old, and some of you know that she is still very full of life. She is still very full of energy. She still goes to work every day, and uh, she, she leads a pretty full and active life. And every year, uh, it's the intention of the family to get together on Christmas Eve, 
at Mima's house, all right? And so if everyone assembles, if I did the math right, that's 34 people. And it can be a lot of fun. It has the potential to be a lot of fun, eating a meal together, opening gifts, playing some games. So if everyone's attitude is good, if everyone's spirit is good, it's a lot of fun. If anyone comes with a negative attitude, you understand what it's like. It can get pretty bad pretty quick. So there are a lot of variables in that. But every once in a while, it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while, everyone is able to get together. It works out for all the cousins and their spouses and their kids to get there, to be there on Christmas Eve. And so it's a neat thing if that happens. But I want us to think about just a, a hypothetical situation. And again, you'll understand where this is going in a few moments. But imagine if 33 of us get there. We're sitting around, we're talking, we're having a good time, we're eating the meals, we're opening the gifts, we're, we're playing the games, we're doing whatever is planned for that night, and Meemaw is not present. We've got 33 out of 34. Well, is the family unit complete that night? Well, obviously it's not, because we're missing what? We're missing one. You understand this, right? Fairly simple principle. This is not real complicated. You can have 33 out of 34, but if you don't have that final person, if you don't have that last person, and, and just kind of using her because she's the matriarch of the family, if you don't have her, then it doesn't matter how many other people you have. The setting is incomplete. And it doesn't matter how much fun you've had. The setting is still incomplete because you don't have Meemaw at the house. Now, we'll get back to that in a couple of moments, but this evening I want to remind us of what the intent and the purpose of Hebrews has been from the very beginning. And that has been this, to remind or to convey or to declare to fellow Jews that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and Jesus Christ was equal with God, that he was God. You remember this? It's been a long time since we've been in Hebrews chapter 1, but from the very beginning of the book, here is what the intended purpose of the, the letter was, was to convey to fellow Jews that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, He was the Messiah, and that He was God in the flesh. So that being said, in verse number 39, notice what the writer declares. It said, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So he says, all these, or these all, and if you think about it, this is not real hard to grasp or real hard to figure out, that whenever he speaks of these all, or all these, he is writing about, or he is speaking of, all the people that he has just been talking about, in what we call chapter 11. You understand this? Starting with Abel, starting with Enoch, then going into Abraham and to Sarah and to, and to Jacob and, and all the characters that he has written of. He says, of all these, or and these all, having obtained a good report. So what does it mean when it says that they obtained a good report? It means this, that they obtained or they acquired a good testimony because of this, their faith. And certainly we understand that to be true, do we not? That as we have gone through each of these characters, as we have looked at what the Scripture has said about them, we would say of every one of them, 
They had a good testimony. They had a good reputation because of their faith that they manifested in their lives, especially at key critical moments. Does this make sense? All right. So he says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that kind of threw me off. What does that mean whenever it says that they received not the promise? Well, just going back and reminding myself of context and reminding myself of the setting and the purpose and and the intentions of this letter, here is what I was reminded of, is that the writer was trying to show to them that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that He was God in the flesh. And so what he was saying is this, is that all of these people that he has talked about, that he has mentioned, that he has referenced, here is what they did. They obtained a good report. They had a good testimony. They have a good reputation. And there is no, there is no doubting that whatsoever. But he said of every one of them that they received not the promise. So what does that mean? What is that a reference to? Well, it means this that for the Jews and for the children of God, here is what they were doing, or what they should have been doing, is this, is they should have been, and many of them were, anticipating and looking forward to the arrival of the Messiah, that being their deliverer, or we would say again tonight, Jesus Christ. Okay, that is what the Jews were looking for. That is what they were living in anticipation of. And so what the writer says is this, whether it be Abraham or Isaac or Moses or or Rahab or whoever it may be, here is what they did. They all lived their lives and they never received the promise. They never got to live in the day where the Messiah arrived, where their deliverer had come, the promised one that was written about and foretold by the prophets, they lived at such a time that they were never able to be a recipient of that promise. Now keep in mind, they have a good report, a good testimony because of their faith. That is not in question, that is not in doubt. So in verse number 40, the writer says this to fellow Jews, God having provided some better thing for us. What were the Jews under before the arrival of Christ? They were under the law, correct? And that had its time and it's had its purpose and and, and it served really just a purpose for the children of Israel and the Jews. We understand that, but the writer says... God having provided some some better thing for us. And so he is saying God made available to you and I something to our advantage, something that is more profitable, something that is, again, more advantageous to us. And so he says next that without us should not be made perfect. So what does it mean whenever the writer says that they without us should not be made perfect? Well, again, the word they would be a reference to the Jews who have lived before them. And the words there that to be without us means to be apart from us. And so understand, please, that the writer was not suggesting that they could not be made perfect without them. But you have to think about the context in which this statement was made. And the writer here was writing very soon after the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that had been looked for and anticipated. And so he is saying that 
that the Lord had made available and the Lord had provided a better thing for them that apart from them, they should not be made perfect. They, again, that being a reference to the characters identified in the previous parts of the chapter, they could not be made perfect apart from what had happened in their generation and in their day. So what does it mean to be made perfect? Well, it doesn't mean to be made sinless. It doesn't mean to be made faultless, but what it does mean is this, is to be made complete or to be made whole. So here are Old Testament saints, here are Old Testament children of God, and they had a testimony of faith. They had a reputation of faith. They lived a commendable lifestyle as it related to their faith. They were willing to do what it took to be followers of Jehovah God. But here's what happened. As they entered this earth, as they lived their lives, and as they departed from this earth by way of death, here's what happened. They came, they lived, and they exited, never seeing the Messiah or the Promised One that they would have been living in anticipation of. And so again, the writer says that God provided some better thing for us in our day. The Messiah has come, and they, without us or apart from what happened in our lifetime, in our generation, they could not be made perfect or complete or whole. There was still, for lack of better words, something that was lacking, something that was missing. It does not take away from their faith, but yet it was not yet fully complete without the arrival of Christ and the work of Christ on the cross on behalf of all men and women. So if you'll think about this for just a moment, good men, good women who by faith did many wonderful things in their walk with God, they accomplished many great feats, they, they did so many things that were commendable, and yet here is what uh, the writer is now saying to fellow Jews, is this, is that they were not able to be made fully complete and fully whole without the work or the arrival of Jesus Christ. Now remember who his audience is. It is men and women of the Jewish faith. Some of them, no doubt, would have been very casual in their religious ordinances and in their approach to their religious life, no doubt. Many of them would have been what we may refer to as lazy or backslidden, but also, no doubt, there were some who would have been very devout and very loyal in their religious activity. Now, it's important to understand that because here is what the writer is conveying even to them, that if these men and women of faith were not made perfect outside of the promised one, then you know what he was saying to every Jew who was living in their day, who was reading these words? You know what he was saying? He was saying this, and you too are not made perfect. You too are not made complete. You too are not made whole unless you by faith accept the work of the promised one who came, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one we had been looking for for generations. 
So what are these men and women hearing? These men and women are hearing this, that it does not matter how good they are, how religious they are, how active they may be in the Jewish system. It does not matter what all it is they've been involved in, what they are being reminded of, and what they are being confronted with. Yet again, because this is not the first time that the writer has addressed this, they are being told once more, without Christ, your life is not complete. Without Christ, your works are not complete. Without Christ, whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you are engaged in, it is not everything it's supposed to be. It's kind of like that family setting. You take one away from the equation, and it doesn't matter what is going on, what is accomplished, how much fun has been had. It does not matter. You take away the one, and the situation is no longer complete. What the people are hearing as they read these words is this. If you are living life without Christ, your life is not complete. It's not whole. Because you are missing the key ingredient to your spiritual lives. It doesn't matter what all you have engaged in and what you are participating in. If you are doing this outside of Christ, then friends, your life is not perfect. Your life is not complete. It is not whole. Now, this evening... I think that you can see where this is headed, and we're not going to spend a long time on this, but I want us to think about the culture and the society that we live in. Because here's what we know. I've said this many, many times before. Here's what we know of the culture and the society that we are living in. We are living in a day where many people are striving to be good people, but they are striving to be good people outside of a relationship with Christ. You work with people, and they have a very full, they have a very busy, they have a very productive life, and many of these people are very good people. Would you agree with this? They're good people, they're, they're busy, they're active, they're, they're engaged in a lot of different things. Many of them are, are engaged in you know um, community events, and, and they help with this, and they help with this, and they're a part of this. And yet here is what is happening. So many of the people that you work with, so many of the people that you know, so many of the people that we come into contact with on a regular basis, here is what they are doing. They are going through their lives trying to be very good people, some of them very religious people, but they are striving to do everything they are doing apart from the work of Jesus Christ, the only one who can save them. And here is what you and I need to be reminded of. That it does not matter how successful their lives may appear. It does not matter how fulfilled their lives may appear to be. It does not matter how much good they may seem to be doing for this community or the people around them. What we need to be reminded of is this, is that when a person is living their life outside of a personal faith in Jesus Christ, then their life is not complete and it will never be complete. Amen. 
So whoever we want to think about tonight, whoever you want to give attention to, whoever we would like to just stop and focus on for just a moment, they may be successful, they may be good people, they may be many different things. What we need to be reminded of tonight is this, is that if they are doing all of this outside of a relationship with Christ, it is impossible for their lives to be complete. Why do we need the reminder? Because we forget about it. Have you ever looked at a person who you know doesn't have a relationship with Christ? And have you ever thought, well, they seem pretty happy. They seem like they're having a good time. They seem like they're fulfilled. I mean, it seems like everything's going good for them. I don't know if you've ever thought that. I don't know if you've ever had conversations with people who have thought that. But, but I, I'm just telling you, sometimes we as believers, we start looking at how good things seem to be for people who don't have a relationship with Christ. And if we're not careful, we lose sight of the fact that their lives are not complete. And we lose sight of the fact that their lives will never be made complete outside of that relationship with Christ. And when we lose sight of that, that they are missing that one key ingredient, that one key individual in their lives, then you know what we also lose sight of? We lose sight of a burden for those men and women and those children. They seem happy, they seem fulfilled, they seem successful, they seem to be doing okay. I mean, you know, I mean, what do I really have to offer them? You have the most important thing they need. That's what you have to offer them. Well, you know, I mean, they seem just as happy as me. Well, then that says a lot about us. If someone without Christ seems every bit as happy as us, then that says something about us. Well, they seem as fulfilled as me. Well, then that says something about us and what we're doing with our lives. I'm just trying to remind us that as the writer was reminding the, the audience that he had in mind, that these wonderful people, as much faith as they exercised, it was not yet fully made perfect or complete without the arrival of Christ I want to remind us, no one is complete without Christ in their lives. So in the morning when you go to work and you're dealing with people, if they don't know Christ, guess what? It's, it's an incomplete life they're living. It's incomplete. And what do they need? They need what you have to offer. When you get with your family, when you get around your friends, whenever you get around the people that sometimes you're forced to rub elbows with, whenever you come into contact with those people, if they don't know Christ, their lives are incomplete, no matter how complete and how fulfilled they think they are. And we cannot afford to lose sight of that because if and when we lose sight of that, we also then lose sight of the burden we should have for them. And friends, that's what makes us, for lack of better words, lukewarm then in our approach to telling others about Jesus Christ. You can identify with that probably, if you're honest, that sometimes we lose sight 
of the spiritual condition of men and women because we forget that without Christ, no matter how fulfilled and happy they seem to be, there is still something missing that they need desperately. So I just want to challenge us. I just want to remind us. They're not complete without Christ. And if by chance, I know it seems odd, but if by chance you've never placed your faith in Christ, the rule is the same for you as it would be for anyone else. You're not complete. Because until the relationship with Christ is established, it doesn't matter how full life is, that one person being gone, that one person not being present, changes everything. All right? So I'll stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you would help us, Lord. I know it's been a, a, a simple message, not one that would stretch the mind too much. God, it is something, though, that we need to be reminded of, that without you, no life is complete. And so, Lord, I pray that as we head into the week tomorrow, whether it be with coworkers or other people that we come into contact with, God, I pray that you'd remind us that if that person before us does not have a relationship with you, then they are missing the most vital part of their lives, and we have what they need. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be willing to, to give you, by way of testimony, give you to others. Tell others about you so that people at least might hear, so that they have a chance to respond. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.